Coming to you from the Strings and Things studio in Ventura, California, this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Howdy. How is everybody? Good. Hope your February's good. Um, so far, so good. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about how this book was our February read. It's a perfect love story. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> this will come out, what, the day or two after uh, Valentine's Day. So, um, yeah. Um, so we are talking today about the book Outlawed by Anna North, which was my pick. Um, it is brand new for January. It just came out this year. Um, luckily there are resources available for it already. So if you want to listen to it, I think that there's an audiobook. Um, I read the actual physical copy of it, but, um, I also was able to find book club questions, which is nice because sometimes with new books, it's hard to find those. Um, but I have a quick synopsis here. This is just what's from the uh, back of the book, but, um, it says, the day of her wedding, 17-year-old Ada's life looks good. She loves her husband. She loves working as an, an, as an apprentice to her mother, a respected midwife. But after a year of marriage and no pregnancy in a town where barren women are routinely hanged as witches, her survival depends on leaving behind everyone she knows. She joins up with the notorious Hole in the Wall Gang, a band of outlets led by preacher-turned-robber known to all as the Kid, charismatic, grandiose, and mercurial, the kid is determined to create a safe haven for outcast women. But to make this dream a reality, the gang hatches a tremendous plan that may get them all killed, and Ada must decide whether she's willing to risk her life for the possibility of a new kind of future for them all. Featuring an irres irresistibly no-nonsense, courageous, and determined heroine, Outlawed dusts off the myth of the Old West and reignites the glimmering pro promise of the frontier with an entirely new set of feminist stakes. Anna North has created a pulse-racing, page-turning saga about the search for hope in the wake of death and for truth in the climate of small-mindedness and fear. So I chose this book because I haven't read a lot of westerns. I have read um, True Grit, which is like one of my favorite books, but I think that might be one of... I think I read something in high school and I can't remember what it was, but this <laughs> is a genre that I don't know a lot about, so I was excited to read it, but... Um, yeah, feminist westerns might be my new favorite genre. <laughs> it was pretty fun to read. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The author gave us a shout, gave us a thank you on our um, on on Instagram mm -hmm. for making it a book club. That yeah, cool. I think she's a relatively new author. I think she has this and maybe one or two other books. I'm not sure. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I had a mm -hmm. good time reading it. I read the actual physical copy, which I don't do very often because I do better if i'm listening to it i can get it done faster but it was nice to like take a break and like read an actual book and it's not too long that it didn't take me i would have forever. i think I, I i would like to reread this without the audiobook in my head mm -hmm. the audiobook was good and but there are times where it was distracting and there were i had pet peeves about the audiobook not the book itself but the way the narration was done i liked so. it all I yeah. really enjoyed it i i only did audiobook i'm glad you had the physical book because the Graphic for the audiobook is fun. Uh huh. It's very graphic, but this is the cover. Yeah, of the, the book cover of the book is pretty, pretty great. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, guess I, I guess I never looked at the. I should look at that. Much. It's just the color blocking of the pink and the blue and the red. It doesn't have the same cover no. on the audio. Uh uh. Oh, at least not on audible. Well, because I always do Kindle while I listen to the audio. Mm. 
It's just the graphic. Oh, yeah. oh that's just boring. Fun. I mean, that's fine. No, it's fun, but the it's, cover's way better. Yeah, the cover, yeah, the cover on the real book is I pick, You know, judge a book by a cover. Duh. Yeah, that's I what pick they a say. book based on, like, the label. Like, I pick a wine based on the label. I don't drink <laughs> wine, but yeah, I know that's a thing. Um, because it does have a great cover. I, yeah. I was looking at the um, author's Instagram, and the UK version of her birth book has a different cover, which is also great. Huh. But um, it was brand is, new, and it was... Is she also, American, or is she... I think she's American. Okay. Um, I presume this is the American West from the way it's described. Yes. <laughs> so, the patriarchy, yeah, the patriarchy here sounds very American. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds very patriarchal. Yes. Um, I want to say that this book deserves um, a Stefan from SNL's review. It oh, my gosh. Everything. It has everything. <laughs> it has gender politics and it has racial gender politics. identity, racial politics. It has. That'd be great um, if they did like the an value SNL of a of woman versus her fertility. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it has everything. It has everything. Yeah. I'm really, <laughs> Shootouts, too. Yep. Horses. You like horses? It's got horses in it. Uh, cows. Nuns. Oh, eating leather chaps. Yeah, oh, I mean, my God. It just yeah. has everything. Um, I wish I could do a good Stefan because no, I would I have written it out and I would have given a real <laughs> Stefan review. Kevin does a good one, but he's not here. Oh, we'll have to have him be our like, special guest sometime because I don't think we could get Bill Hader. I, yeah. Damn. Um, I don't think. I don't know if we'll ever encounter a book that has more mm-hmm. in such a slim volume because it yeah, really, it's not that long. It really examines the whole human condition. Uh huh. Yeah. It's uh, 261 pages. Wow. Paralleling she our current a lot in, yes. in that. Yeah. It was great. Um, and there's, it's never a dull moment. It, there's no slowdown. I thought. I thought it really no, moves I, along. It moves along pretty quickly. She, like you said, she packs a. I think the book could have been longer. It could, but I'm yeah. glad that it wasn't because yes. yeah. I think that's um, sort of probably knowing. That's probably a hard thing when you're writing a book is knowing when to stop. Yeah, I think it was perfect. She stopped at the, just the right place, and I'm not going to say where that was. Well, you can because that's the rule. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I know. I'll wait till we get farther again. Maybe you didn't read this read book. Read the book first. We're gonna spoil it. <laughs> yeah, no, and you'll I enjoy it. You should the podcast it. Yeah. at the end of our talk. She's just waiting for questions. Okay. I get it. We're the yeah, right yeah, questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes we answer the questions that are coming before we even get them. Yeah, I have a tendency to to answer way early. <laughs> um. Okay. So you mentioned. So let's. I'm gonna give just like a brief overview of like the story because the. Uh, synopsis doesn't really tell you so Ada's mother's a midwife she's training as a midwife she wants to become a midwife she gets married to a local boy that she knows she can't have a baby she's thinks she's barren um, I still think it's his fault well, well we never know we don't know yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, no. it's spoiler. always blamed on the woman in this time yeah if she cannot have a child it's her fault and her or town. if she's popular enough it's not her fault it's the fault of some ugly person that the town doesn't like yes so well, actually, that would be the trope my mother taught me was the one who gets there first is the story that's believed. So yeah. if yeah. you tell the story of she cursed me fast enough, then you would quickly accuse a barren woman. But they would only believe you if, if she's you, a barren woman. Well, she could be barren, but she could blame it on someone else. If she's popular, more popular than you. Ah, mm-hmm. there you go. You know, yeah. then they're going to still right. take her side over yours. Because so, Ada thinks her mom's pretty safe from those accusations. Right. Yeah. But, mom's pretty uh, mom knows better well mom's pretty popular yeah heavily relied on anyway get carry on no so (laughs) that's fine you can interrupt me um so she can't have a baby the sheriff says that people are starting to point fingers at her 
because apparently that's what you do if you can't have a baby. You are a witch, and you are influencing the other members of your community who also cannot have babies. So she runs away because she's afraid that they're going to, you know, execute her as a witch or go after her family. So she hears that she can go to the local convent and they will take care of her. So she becomes a nun for a short period of time. And her whole goal in this is to learn about why women are barren. She wants to know why it happens or not maybe why women are barren, but why that's yeah, the thing that she happens does. in general. She, she kind of does want to find out what makes a woman barren. I wonder as she progresses, it's very much about her fulfilling mm-hmm. the hole in her life or her mm-hmm. understanding of herself. Do you think as she gets towards the end that she is like, that it is more that universal caring? That's one of my questions that we can okay. talk about in a little bit. Um, I'm the one jumping again. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? This is a great book because we are dying to talk about it. I There's know. so much good stuff. I'm so it's glad. really good. Um, so as a nun, she learns as much as she possibly can from, uh, the nunnery. And and learns that she's not meant to be a nun. (laughs) Yes, she does. She does her best, but she's not a good nun. I think there's a lot of women in this reality who aren't meant to be nuns, but, and, and probably in the reality we live in who just ended up there because that was their only choice. Right. Um, but that's what they believed anyway. At the convent, she learns that she can, so her whole goal now is to go find, Mrs. Alice Schaefer, who's supposedly a master midwife, and she's um, in Pagosa Springs, someplace, a different, Springs. a different state, <laughs> in farther Pagosa south, yes. in a land go far, far away. <laughs> she's got to go a couple states away, I think, to find this woman. So it's she not going to be an easy trip. No, she wants well, to go find this person. She and women have cannot travel so. by themselves, so that it's not like Any she could just get a right, horse yeah. and go. Right. So she joins up with the Hole in the Wall gang, which is a group of people comprised of a bunch of different outlaws from different backgrounds. All women. Well. She's getting there. <laughs> not all women. Some of them don't identify as true. women. That's true. So the that's kid true. who is the leader of the gang. Um, they all had husbands. So that's true. I think they were all assigned women at birth, but they might identify. I think the majority of them identify as women, but the kid... They say it's not he, it's not she, it's just the kid. The kid. Yeah. Just the kid. He's in charge. Or excuse me, they are in charge. The kid is, the kid is in charge. <laughs> the kid is in charge. Um, they are so in charge. she That's joins right. up with the gang as their doctor. So they keep her on so that they can she can help them with you know, broken bones and scrapes and stuff like that. Everybody there sort of has a, a niche that they're working within and they needed a doctor so she can stay. Um, and in the time with them, she sort of... Um, learns about where everybody came from, everybody's backstory. She meets other people along the way. They hatch this scheme to rob a bank so that they can buy a town because their whole goal is to make a like a sanctuary, a sanctuary for women like them. But who want a it's place. not like she was readily accepted. She would the kid accept accepted her in, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like everybody there. Yeah, she had to she earn wasn't their necessarily well while. Yeah, yeah, it took her a while. Um, and some mistakes. Yes. <laughs> so she does her best to try and fit in. They hatch this scheme um, to take over this town, which uh, they get through the robbery of the um, of the bank first. Um, uh, a little while back, we should rewind a little bit. They meet up with two other outlaws, Lark and Henry. I think yeah, was the other guy's Henry. name. That's right. There are some men in there. Yes. So her and Lark form a relationship, sort of, um, it's a little mysterious at first because you don't know exactly what's going on with them or where he came from or what his story is, 
turns out he was a gay man who was um, removed from his community and was, how do I say <laughs> what happened Well, I mean, the way they describe castrated. it in the book is castration. He right. was castrated. He was punished for being gay yep. uh-huh. and having a love affair with a man. So and... they said that he should lose a limb. Yeah, with a married man. So yeah. the married man oh. did not get punished. No. Nope. But he was... Uh, Classic. No, his... not lose a limb. I mean, they were very... No, specific. I mean, I mean, yes. the married man had status and so was yeah. given... I mean, he didn't was... die. He he lived his yeah. life afterwards. He, he talked about how he struggled with his life and he tried to kill himself. And, you know, he doesn't think about that anymore. And he's doing better now. And him and Ada sort of form a, a bond between the two of them. And they sort of fall in love with each other, and they get married in a attempt to escape the prison, um, which doesn't really work. <laughs> bank, oh no, that, that's not even the bank robbery. That's, no, 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 that's, that's before the, that. That's um, the stealing of the. Yeah, stealing of the wagon. wagon that's when that happens. Yeah. Be it in preparation for the bank robbery. Right. So they get sprung from jail by members of the gang. He's one of the kindest. I know people. he's a great character. I like Clark a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the bank robbery, he dies. Um, he oh, shot. Horrific death. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. She's sad. It's yeah. and they get away with the money. But then, it's like Lark had to pay for her sin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like... You know that's an interesting parallel because well that's something we talk about later. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just want to finish with the there's rest so of it. much. I know there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> so they escape. They get away. The sheriff and sheriffs from other various communities come after them and they form a posse and the they posse. try and <laughs> I love how she take the gangs the posse like depending on how bad the thing you did right how many people will show up numbers, for the posse and then she announces how many, I don't remember what she yeah. says right. there's, there's like, like two dozen there's like very people. large posse yeah, yeah you know you're in dozen. for it yeah. it's like cuz yeah. you just can't do that rob a bank and let people die without you know yeah. <laughs> without some sort of form of payback retribution so they they win the the stakeout at the at the wall. Um, the kid who has been sick with a mental illness and sort of removed from the story at this point, um, he's suffering. They are suffering. Excuse me. And well, then he comes they, through um, at that point, though. Right. He. I'm they saying, come in. The to, kid comes through. They come in to rescue, and he's. They sort of. This is ridiculous. It's hard. The kid saves <laughs> the day. Yeah. Um, and then but from we'll learn. Yeah. From there they. Uh, uh, their gang is sort of reunited and Ada leaves because she still wants to pursue her goal. She talks about staying, um, but she knows she needs to pursue her goal of what she started for. And so she... She can't go on without knowing. Right. She has to answer that question. She could always come back, but she has to pursue yes. that to its end. So she finally makes it to Pagosa Springs. The woman that she's looking for is no longer there. Her business is no longer um, up and running, but the clinic that she ran is still there. So Ada takes it over and that's her new life as she lives in Pagosa Springs as Was the... it, was it, or I thought it had been, I thought because someone said the springs heal all and that she wasn't really necessary, but there really was, there no, really it's... wasn't a, ne- there was a need. It had been closed up. Yeah. But, but there wasn't. The, I think she, she had was run out of town for the, some reason. Yeah. Flee um, in the dark of night right. kind of thing. And the author says at the end, like, I want to tell you more about what happens, but this is the end of this book. Oh my so. god, I wish there's more. I know, like, I would please, love to read more. <laughs> please and take Anora, us back. Please write more. Yes. Yeah, please, we loved it. Please tell us more about Ada. Like, make it a series. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's basically the whole Wouldn't that be awesome? scope of the story. I think so. 
It's always, you know, sequels are worrisome. That's true. <laughs> but we trust yeah. you, Anna. <laughs> we haven't read any of your other work, but we liked this one. Well, then, I mean, you, you've won this... my heart with this. Mm-hmm. I, I totally lost track of time. I lost track of the whole world around me. I was so engrossed in the world I was I was reading. Well, the ending, like skipping ahead, the ending was so, so engaging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole like, like you have nowhere to run from the realities of yeah. your life. Like either mm-hmm. it's you succeed on the path you want, you're on because you don't have anywhere else to like run to or survive. There's no other mm-hmm. reality for you to go to. I was just like on the edge of my seat holding my breath till mm-hmm. it resolved. <laughs> I was reading the books, like the physical books, so I could see exactly how much I had left and it was getting so exciting at the end. Oh my and God. so I was like, I'm going to like normally at night, like I'll watch a movie or whatever. I was like, I'm going to go in the bedroom and read the book. And James was like, okay, see you later. And I'm like reading, reading, reading. And he would like come in for this or that or tell me something. And at some point I was like, you got to go. I have to read this. <laughs> like, you can't keep interrupting me. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Thankfully, I was here alone. Yeah. In oh, the that's end. good. No interruptions. <laughs> Just door closed, sewing, no one I actually, me. I had to refresh myself because I got it all read in the first like week. Yeah. Uh, I, because I've it was so good. I couldn't stop. Um, I... Thought I might get a whole re-listen in before we met, but that's fine. Um, so when I stopped this morning, she was just about to see Cassie, like that Cassie, I think it's Cassie who mm-hmm. gets, um, well, is she frostbitten? I mean, she passed, she's about to die from yeah, the yeah, cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she saves Cassie, thank God. Saves herself as she saves mm-hmm. Cassie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just about to enter into that. I have questions about that I... scene when we get to it. All right, yeah, you can. We can talk about it now. I mean, it's my favorite X Files um, exploitation as well. But well, you got to get naked I to get warm. Why she didn't start a fire right away? And I know that part of it was her cold. She was cold, but I wonder if it was because she was. Do you mean Cassie or? Yeah, Cassie. Because I was wondering why Cassie, Cassie got got this like in this position because she has the wherewithal to have survived thirteen years living in the hole in the uh-huh. wall area. So like, how did she get dumbstruck? By a cold day. It I mean, a, it's it a was, cold I can't fathom. It, it was it was a di- colder than cold. Yeah. It was an unusually cold. It was almost a blizzard. She They were worried that she wasn't going to find her way over there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she got dazed by the time she got there and she was out of, too out of it to make a fire. Or part of me wondered if she was so distracted by her frustration and anger that she got started and then didn't realize how really cold it was until it was too late. Blind and with rage. Blind with rage yeah. until she passed out from cold. Yeah. I'm trying to find that section in the book, but um, it's about like a just before, maybe 40% of the way through the book. It's uh, about where I am. Chapter and she's the same person who the also, says she's the same person. Okay. True. <laughs> she's the same one who, taught ada how to shoot casey cassie no, is not cassie doesn't not. want her ever like Mm-mm. she is never she's on never her liked side. her but that's right because yeah. she's like we never don't have the mouth to feed she's not even on her side after this Mm-mm. like she's i think she stopped saying get out of here yeah but she's they're not on the same side of the issues just because you saved me doesn't mean i have to like you i guess thing. i mean they're just not on the same side because yeah. she does not support the um yeah the heist no so the book says the stove's iron belly was empty. Cassie hadn't even tried to make grits. Probably she had come to the cabin to sulk, and then the cold had caught her by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, so, 
our girl Ida is from the Dakotas, so that is not a warm place in the mm-hmm. winter. So, mm-hmm. and she talks about like Don't she knows that. that has happened, right? You don't know that. <laughs> You've been there more recently than any of us because well, I've okay. never been there. What's weird about that is we were there in September in South Dakota and it had an unseasonable snowstorm. <laughs> the only time that we were there, it snowed well, an and the, it had a high that day, the those couple days of 27 degrees in September, which was re- And then the next week it was back in the 70s. So bizarre. So Ada talks about how she knows that happens to people. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I don't know how to live in this kind of weather. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they did survive on even harder, before they had that, before they took the time to build those buildings, they had survived. You imagine it would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kay- Cassie's been there since the start. Mm-hmm. But you can be distracted by your emotions to the point that you stop taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I sure. feel like that's what was going on here. And then she got caught with cold and then it was too, she was too weak and yeah. Anyway, um, so the first question I have here is about the kid. Um, so it says the kid is full of contradictions: a leader and an outcast, a preacher and a dissenter, and a set an asset and a liability. The kid tells Ada, "Years I wandered, cowboying, wrestling. I lived as a man and as a woman. No life suited me. Then I met Cassie. As long as I could protect her, I told myself I would be worth something." How do you understand the kid's place in the novel? What does the kid represent? And how does the kid help the other outlaws learn about themselves? Um, Side note, because this doesn't have anything to do with what I just asked. But uh, (laughs) I thought it was clever that Cassie and the kid are the two that are closest to each other. Like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, I didn't get it. I was like, Thank oh, I, you know, I, I never, I, I are you think it is? It has to be. It, it, has, would, to, it has, has to be. Yeah, I would think so. I, yeah, that would be a really big coincidence. You know, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I didn't get that. Yeah, no, okay. Parts <laughs> of a minute. The, the kid's character when you first encounter the kid is so much like an old timey evangelical preacher that it really triggered me because I have some trauma uh, from childhood of, about that and at least in the audiobook one of the things this this is my my pet peeve about the audiobook is the the women that were particularly the kid were portrayed with a very masculinated voice mm-hmm. um and i almost feel like sometimes that's a stereotype put upon um the lgbt uh upon put upon lesbians that they're commonly considered butch or but something, but, 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 the, women. No, but no, but, people... but there's a stereotype. And I felt like the, in the audio book that I listened to gave a very masculine voice. So at first I wasn't living sure. as men, they had to pass as men. So they were talking Probably. like men 90% of the time they were out in public. That's so you, they would probably just be used to it, speaking that way. It like, yeah, it's like living in a place where you start to pick up the accent. Uh huh. Oh, okay. I mean, they were living, they were pretending to be men. Not all of the characters were portrayed that way to my ear. No, no, but I don't think all the, but not all the women that were there were lesbians. Some of them were just, some of them we don't know, but some of them were just outcasts. But I love that, that there was this camaraderie, this safe place Mm -hmm. that they could be, that they could be, um, who they were, who they identified as right together um, it was a safe place, and as as the character of the kid was more developed, 
I really warmed to this person. I, mm-hmm. I felt for the sometimes the mental breakdowns that she that they had mm-hmm. <laughs> that the kid had. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt because when you got to hear more of the kid's story, and you got to hear, I mean, it, it, who wouldn't question who you are, especially when when so young you're told this, and you're you're taught this, and it sounded like the kid's father knew how the kid was mm-hmm. but still cared for what's the question just to talk about the kid as oh, like just, the kids sorry in I'm general like, did i miss the question no no no. Uh, what do we think of the kid how do you understand okay. the kid's place in the novel what does what do they represent um, i think that uncertainty of finding who you are in finding your own voice outside of all the voices that have told you what they expect you mm-hmm. to be a light in the wilderness i think that's yeah. what what the kid is is yeah. a light in the wilderness um and but it was a, a long hard road to get to that point and they have an incredible amount of pressure on them like oh yeah to be responsible for all of these people essentially who are counting on you he's the they are the leader and i think cassie and I doesn't really that want that pre- i think Cass doesn't want all that never really cassie loves the kid mm-hmm. and will follow the kid wherever and through whatever Mm -hmm. but does not want all these people intruding sure on her relationship on her on their safe space space. yeah yeah well they might have come to hole in the wall with different visions Mm -hmm. like you know it's interesting i don't think the kid knew who the kid was Mm -mm. ever like maybe by now by the time we meet the kid but in the kid's story there were children Mm-hmm. She left because, like, I'm going to call her she now purposefully because she was a married woman. Mm-hmm. Like, she had children. Right. She wanted to be a wife. Like, she thought she wanted to be a wife. I don't know. She left because that was being taken away from her and it was breaking her. Right. Yeah. So, like, after leaving behind the socially prescribed, I guess maybe she was on a path to find herself as the kid. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it did seem like they wanted to be, to fit into the mold that, they were supposed to they all did and i and she had a child that she wasn't allowed to see because of her mental illness and the sick prescription right to have as many children as possible yeah okay but and just take them away not all of it was mental illness because i want to be careful that it's not that it's not misunderstood we're not saying how she identified herself was a mental illness but she was a person who does have who did have times of of mental mm-hmm. illness. Yeah. Okay. It's described that the kid has a has family. Has a sickness. Yeah, like has a family yeah. history mm-hmm. of what may be schizophrenia, may be bipolar. Um, there was there was no good, yeah. you know. It's a very loose representation of But someone. I mean, it makes sense because back then they wouldn't have had any terms no. or understood no. it at all. So. No, not, not when. This the, isn't written from the 21st century perspective i actually really this think is it's written... probably bipolar because of the mania of no mm-hmm. sleeping and yeah. the uh, and then the the dark depression that that will take the person over mm-hmm. as, as described for the kid's father and for what right. happens to the but kid. as their their reasoning and that in that time believe that it was because they went in the the it, into the um forest and dance with the devil well obviously that's what the witches do <laughs> clearly they don't have they they did not have a sure. good um understanding of mental illness um the next question which i thought was interesting says um the flu is one of the novel silent characters 
It mm-hmm. decimates the population. It, it organizes beliefs about witchcraft and by extension endangers innocent women like Ada. In the year 2020, the global community was confronted with a deadly virus. Compare reactions to that pandemic with those in Anna North's reimagined 19th century America. In what ways has increased scientific knowledge come to our aid? And in what ways are we still ruled by fear and uncertainty? <laughs> well, smart women are still ostracized. <laughs> That's yep. true. Yep. But you probably won't be hanged for it. Not in America. <laughs> not, mean... in, not in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you I you like to think that with COVID and everything, you know, it's it's 2020, it's 2021, like we have the technology, but people are still people. Yeah. And I remember I was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about how the rate at which technology increases and the rate at which humans Evolve. adapt <laughs> are so vastly different that it's like technology has outraced us to where our morality as humans has not caught up to it yet. Oh, and so, so interesting. I thought it was fascinating and yeah. how like we have all this technology nowadays, but we react somewhat similarly to the way that people did back then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> it's people, a natural human reaction. People fear what they don't understand. True. They, when they're fearful, they don't trust science mm-hmm. and that fear bred out of ignorance creates false, um, false ideas and misinformation and it still happens you can't when someone believes something you can't take take it away you have to give them something different to believe in i was like oh my god what if we approached right so much more with that and like if you think about where humanity moves forward with Mm -hmm. like social understandings it's when we give them proof or give them something concrete to like hold on to okay wait in 2020 Actually, okay. it's, it's still it, wait. It's still 2021. <laughs> yeah, it's 2021. People have had almost a year <clears throat> of given truth and given science, given something to counteract that fear, and they still refuse to wear a mask. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> we know. <laughs> so I was thinking of this this one this comment on social media today, where like a doctor is like, when someone tells me that they're a site a. A sighting from an article in 1996 is their reason they still believe something uh-huh. today. Um, and then he starts tearing down all of his um, all of his degrees and stuff. Because obviously, <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> Your auntie in 1996 put on Facebook that that wasn't true. Right. <laughs> yeah, the increased scientific knowledge we have these days doesn't necessarily change the way that the that people interact with something like that so you know back then they hung people as witches or they you know blamed innocent women for whatever their crime was or stuck them in jail for 20 years and nowadays it's uh i think that the choice to tell it in an alternate reality is Mm -hmm. um an interesting way for us to examine like the fragility of our country which this book was published months before what we have just lived through. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the fragility of our country is mm-hmm. like, so what 200 years difference from when the U S um, collapses in this novel versus now. Right. Um, I saw someone else online explain this book as like almost a parallel universe to like handmaid's tale that yes 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 so yes, i yes. didn't see that mentioned in any of the places that like mm-hmm. 
talk about what this book is, right. but so much Handmaid's Tale in this. Right. Yes. And well, one of them was like, I saw this question that said, how would current day, you know, people react to, you know, all of a sudden there being a bunch of barrenness in the country? I'm like, I think there's a book and a TV show about this. Correct. <laughs> there's well, a follow-up book too. I haven't right. been, I haven't had the... And I'm not sure which, I can't remember what state it was, but just this week, the state, there's oh there was a state legislation that passed a law, a, a state law that a woman had to wait. Or I mean, they couldn't just get an abortion. They had to go to, they required them to go to some psychological counseling Holy before God. they could have an abortion. Right. It's like, now I got my own feelings, but that, wow. Talk about stripping autonomy from Should someone. not be legislated. And yet right. it is a state law I forget which state it is. I have to look it up. It's it, but happened this week in America. But I might make people mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my my point is that happened this week in America. Yeah, yeah. It's no, like I don't think that people who think that Handmaid's Tale is a scary thing that could never happen. Oh, I think there are people who are watching it as a how-to guide. Yeah, yeah. probably. Like, yeah. How do I get this reality? Or they're watching it just like. Yeah. No. Instead oh. of instead of a cautionary tale, they're welcoming it. Uh, anyway, that's a different book. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> but no, Handmaid's Tale, totally. Yeah. There's even a spot, and I meant to note it, where she says something that's just, oh, it was maybe one of the biblical references, and it was just right in line with Handmaid's Tale. I wish hmm. I had written it down. <clears throat> um, so this next question says, as she deliberates being captured, Ada asks Sheriff Branch how, in good conscience, he can participate in a system that punishes the innocent. Sheriff Branch explains, when a child dies or two people in love can't conceive or a man loses his wife in childbirth, these things aren't bearable, not without help. But if you know why it happened, if you have someone or somebody to blame, <coughs> then sometimes that's enough to keep going. In what ways does scapegoating still exist in our own current <laughs> system of justice and punishment? Oh, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, we don't uh, have to get that deep. But... Yeah, but no, but this is, um, there's foreshadowing of this in the mm -hmm. beginning when I noted when I started re-listening um I think it's just when she starts to um consider the idea that she could be blamed as a witch for the the German measles mm -hmm. um that that this this the only way to bear this is that you blame someone yeah okay it's different though if one person decide volunteers to be that sacrificial lamb it's something completely different to force that sacrifice on someone yeah the sheriff the morally says... moral i'm sorry but that i i got so angry at that that he, that he feels morally okay well you're just this one your your life is worth less than this person oh, so it was sheriff... reminded me of the lottery that's the other like this idea that you have to pick one person and you they're they're gonna die for the good of the good of the community because mm -hmm. um, you never get that explained in that story like why the lottery exists and why they choose why they stone this person. Well, you, I don't know. You don't remember? It's a, I think it's Shirley Jackson. And do do you remember it? Mm -mm. It's it's a short story. Oh, it's a great. It's a weird short story, and they've done some. I probably some would like that. I like it. utopian stories. <sighs> Dystopian stories. You don't. Karen Joseph is a utopian. <laughs> no, it's, it, I can't, I remember reading it in high school and then there's a short film where they like act it out. And, um, and it's that concept of like, well, it's, everybody knows that it's time that we stone you. Mm -hmm. 
And the person's chosen from the lottery. Yeah. He's, and there's not like... Oh, like so in, it's that classic tale of, you know... Sacrifice or, the virgin to or, the, the dragon, um, except we don't know what the dragon is. No. Or, you know, what What was it? Uh, there's a, trill, a four book series that I absolutely loved. Hunger Games. It's the same idea the Hunger Games. It's like it, that, but that you don't sac- ever get a reason no. in right. the lottery. But no. this gives us a reason. Like, we have so to take he you He says, out. everyone in town was lighter in their hearts after I announced you'd been charged with with witchcraft. They'll be lighter still when I bring you back. We all have to make sacrifices, Ada. And I'm sorry, but this is yours. Yeah. Like, okay. No, wa- you lost no. Your, I'm sorry. But no. Yeah. You lost a child. <laughs> that's I'm sorry. Like, oh, it's the lottery. You deal with yeah. your own pain and don't push your pain on somebody else's. And yeah. what a shit Ula is. What yeah. a little yeah. shit. Yeah. Because... Like when Ada described they were like best how friends. close they were, like yeah. I stroked her hair and she slept in my bed when her mother was mean to her. Yeah. Like, but here's a okay, but here is a society that has never taught their people how to deal with pain, how to walk through pain. That pain is not your own. That you always have to, you never have to deal with and pain. In such a patriarchal in a society, way. you almost can't blame her because she's she's just working within the confines of the situation that she's in. And yeah, it sucks that she like sold out her friend and was like, yeah, maybe well, she is a witch, her, but like you know? I, she wants to survive too. Yeah. Yeah. It's one That's or the true. other. That's true. If she doesn't blame someone else, they're going to blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, rejected by her community and several uh, and severed from her family. Ada struggles to find purpose in her life. She thinks even if I was cured, if I conceived and bore a child, would I want to return to my old life? Would mm-hmm. I want to, would I go back to Fairchild with my baby on my hip triumphant? If Ada had been a mother, what if how she would had her a story daughter? have changed? What if she'd had a daughter and her daughter would ha- would be put through the same hell that she got put through? It's you know, like, or. Yeah, that's something I felt as, you know, first mother of two boys and then a mother of a girl is like, I felt sad for my daughter because the things that are hard about being a woman, she's going to live now. Yeah. Like, it's great to be a woman. I'm happy to be a woman. Wouldn't want it any other way. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. So. Yeah, it comes with <laughs> yeah. natural. Even just the way our bodies work. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to explain menstruation to her yeah. someday. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully the idea is that when she's older, things are better. You know, sure. because things get better yeah. over time. Yeah. And they're better for us now than it was, you know, in 1890, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um 1894? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So if she had had a baby, like, would that have changed anything? They still would have needed to find someone to blame. Yeah. Well, she's now... I mean, once you conceive, when we ask that, then they no longer... As long as you conceive once, you're off the yeah, hook. Yeah, but they could have mm, made up... She could have There's left. a threshold of three babies to be okay. Back then? In this story, oh, in the it's story. mentioned oh. several times. A woman with three children could do anything she wanted. Yeah. Uh, um, easily could've... find a new husband, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they but... forced her out. She could have left. If she had returned with a baby, you know, they would have said, like, okay, you're cool now. Or they would have come up with some story about how she acquired this baby. Right. Like, yeah. I don't An think unnatural way or she stole her. the baby. Or, but you know, honestly, would she want to go back things. to a husband who... Who treated her that way? She says who does not value. She well at the beginning she's like I wish I could go back and you know and everything would be like why couldn't I have a baby like my life would be so much easier if I could just have had a baby like at the beginning I think she really (laughs) would have liked to be able to go back and return to her normal life and at the end she's still she still sort of struggles with her own self acceptance in that she she 
thinks it's great for these other people, but her life's so much harder. One of the things I think it takes a long time to get to when you've had struggle and strife of whatever it may be is accepting that this better person you are could never be. Right. If you had not gotten through this. So we don't, we haven't known Ada long enough for her to come to this realization that we as the outside looking in can see like she's going to do these great things for other women yeah that she never Mm -hmm. never would have been drawn to doing if she hadn't would she would she if she if she had conceived would she still be in the midwife probably yeah maybe maybe not depends on what her mother-in-law told her allowed her to do (laughs) well that's true that's a good point like just because Ada wanted to do that doesn't mean that she would have been allowed to continue after she, she had a baby. Because right. she would have been subject to her husband's whims and her mother-in-law's whims. It would, I think mostly what she missed being away is her mother. Connection with her mother. She could never... And her sisters. And mm-hmm. her sister. Oh, every time she talked about her love for her sisters because she... One sister or two She sisters? nurtured. I don't she has three, she sisters. three sisters. Oh, three sisters. Yeah. Um, there's B, the three older Baby sisters B. are like Ada and her two sisters are from one father and Beatrice and yet she's still worried that even though her mother had had four children that she still would be in danger. Well, even yeah. the, her whole the stink in of one person's <laughs> witchcraft. Yes, <laughs> you know who's to say it's not the whole family, right? I mean, mm-hmm. midwives have always throughout history just barely escaped mm-hmm. the the pyre. You know, it's a fine line between helper and witch. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that Ada explores with her mom of like, you know the truth. Why don't you tell them? Well, then they started to whisper that maybe I, you know, maybe I was bewitching people. So I had to back off. It, it, there's an interesting parallel between this book and another book that I'm reading that I've been reading for months and I haven't finished it yet. But I was enjoying um, when I was reading it. But it's about a woman who this is this takes place after the Civil War and she's a freed slave. But in the community, she is a midwife and a um, like a medicinal healer. Mm-hmm. But then a baby's born that you know has an illness, and everybody blames her, and she has to run away. There's a preacher in it, like it's oh, it's I very. Wait, wait, what's the name of that book? Um, I think I read it. Let me find it. One yeah, because because the preacher comes because there's the there's the child, a little boy, and everyone else is getting sick, but the child doesn't. Conjure Women by Conj- Athea oh, Atacora. I haven't right. finished it yet. But I, I started reading it because of you, similar. but I did finish it, so yeah. I'm not going to tell you. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. It's just interesting that I picked two books. Well, I mean, it's a same. timeless tale. Yeah. Timeless tale. So yeah. this question <laughs> says, um, sort of piggybacking off what we were just talking about, um, although Ada's profession is healing the wounded, she struggles to offer herself self-compassion. She thinks, I wished I could have... I wish I could think of my own failed body with that kind of care. Instead, I was full of shame and fear. Why is it often easier to be compassionate to others and not to ourselves? How does Ada's search for medical answers mirror her journey towards self-acceptance? And by the end of the novel, do you believe that Ada has conquered her fear of herself? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't treat herself in the same way. Like when... Um, Lark dies and she's like preparing his body and she makes a vow that this is how she's going to handle everybody uh, living or dead with respect but she doesn't extend that same courtesy to herself Um, which is sad you know that part kind of broke my heart because she's still ashamed of what she what everybody says she is you know she's not a witch she's not and she might not be 
a barren woman, you know. We just don't know. But it, it could have like, taken a little more trying. She could have had a baby. You don't know. Yeah. It's a lot easier to give of yourself than to than to keep of yourself. It's a lot easier to see the external you that reaches out to other people than to look internally and examine self-examine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps pushing her toward her goal is I don't think she's going to be satisfied with herself unless she, you know, gets the answers that she's looking for. Mm-hmm. Her whole journey is based on her want of knowledge. She just wants to know why. And we don't exactly find out why or, you know, the reason why she, you know, she doesn't find out within the con- uh, the confines of the novel that we're reading, but she reaches her goal that she gets to where she wanted to go. And she That's does true, because reopen was, the... Because then there was that... that that man, that man who was giving, oh, I wish I could think of his name, who he gave his own reasons why women are barren. He had his own following. Oh, the preacher? The pre- oh, the, yeah. yeah, the other preacher. And it's right. like, she's it's always going to fight that kind of prejudice. Yeah, I mean, like, I was still scared for her. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the book. Oh, yeah. You're not, yeah. Is she going to get run out of town someday? <laughs> I mean, because you know, here's this woman there. friends who can help her if she does. It's true. Yeah. And she has a place to go hide. Yeah. Right? You know? Because um, think about that. The woman whose pamphlet was smuggled into the convent um, was famous enough, though, to have written something mm-hmm. and put it out into the world at yeah. a great risk, clearly to a great risk to herself. But it, look how many people it helped. Is Ada going to ever treat herself with the care that she can give others? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. It are made... you? Are you no, right? Treat no. yourself with the care no, that you give it's others? It's normal, you know? I think. <laughs> maybe someday. Like, maybe someday we can each reach into ourselves and it's give ourselves my the same. It's not my nature it's not, to I don't do think that. it's most people's nature. Or at least no. most women's nature. Okay. You're never going to get it with that. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm saying not with that attitude. To, to the thought of even seeking self-care is so ingrained to not do it in me. You it's just really little little I've progresses. Made, I've made little progresses. Will I ever be there? Ever reach I, the I end of that you journey? I think stand up better for yourself and you um, set boundaries better than when I first met you. True. You get and tired I'm not just talking get... about the boundaries that you set for me. <laughs> <laughs> I see you take you know what? It's easier to set first. It's, I, it's easier to set boundaries to. with people you care about. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I just you know the I think that you do that more. Yeah, and in our current, in our current, and back then, you know, our a lot of people's worth is based on productivity. Number one, so taking time for yourself or taking time to take care of yourself, you know, is is so hard because if you don't cross all the things off of your to do list, then it's easy to be like, well, you were a lazy piece of crap today Mm -hmm. and you didn't get anything done. Instead of being like, okay, at least I got one load of laundry done. I got, I went for a walk today. Like I didn't do all the things on my list, but I did a couple things and that's pretty good. But you know what 2020 taught us? Self-care. 2020 taught us that it's okay to take some time to just chill and just to heal and just be at peace and not be on this treadmill of working. Now, I speak from a place, of course, of privilege where I'm able to do that. Not everybody has that privilege. But um, 
Anyway, I do think I, 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 I'm not living the same 2020 or 2021 that you guys are living. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's not true. necessarily agreeing you, with you, but, but, um, but I do yeah. think that societally, I see overall society. that message and I've seen that particular message exactly what mm-hmm. you both just said, particularly the words of you are not defined by your productivity. Yeah. I've seen that more mm-hmm. and more and I have certainly heard it in my own head when I can't get all the things done I wanted to do in a day. I guess in this novel, the productivity is producing an actual literal productivity. productivity. (laughs) That's where the, the women's worth is based on. But I wanted to talk about, like you were saying, this book has everything, everything. And we mentioned the preacher who is preaching basically eugenics. Yes. And the sort of Uh. racial aspect of the book, which I thought was really well handled. Yes. I mean, the book's written, written by a white woman. But the way that she speaks about the experience of, um, is it, is it news? News. News. And Henry has a parallel experience. Right. As black people in this, in this day and age. Is Henry black? I thought he was. Okay. I could have been mistaken. I think they just say that he has dark skin like news. Okay. Yeah. Cause when he's, when the preacher's talking about, you know, look at this nice healthy goat that's, you know, one breed or whatever and look at this other nice healthy goat that's another breed but it produced this like horrible offspring so like it's the same in humans right but with what sort of (laughs) scientific understanding this man has I don't know because obviously he's not correct but speaking as someone of mixed goats (laughs) (laughs) you're the product of two different goats yeah and it's not a bad thing yeah um yeah I thought it was interesting the amount of things that she packed into this book not only do we talk about um, you know, gender nonconformity, but also like the racial struggles of people of that day and age, and and yeah. she barely even touches in on that, but it's in there too. It's well done though, because mm-hmm. that yeah. preacher features in a few places where she first um, gets encounters his book and is sorely uh-huh. disappointed, and she starts thinking about how what was the thing where she first tells us about Coral Town, about what Coralton, where the black people live. Um. I don't remember. Because it was something about how, like, people show up for all the babies. Oh, she's reading another. She reads two authors. One who that gives us some um, exposition about what the country looked like after it collapsed from the Mm -hmm. flu. And that was um, a a preacher who says, like, they forget when they kiss that baby's feet that um, black men were also you know, valued by baby Mm -hmm, Jesus. mm -hmm. So that's the first time we hear about the racial dynamics of, of this reality. And then she reads the terrible book by the preacher. And then we meet the preacher later. There you go. Oh, okay. He's not even a preacher. He's not. No, but he's he's preaching. In a sense, he like has this, he, he is an even misguided following of people. He's an evangelical personality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Evangelizing. That's exactly mm-hmm. what he's doing. Yes. Um, anyway, they, she, she shows us the dynamics in, in a very graceful way. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Um, that no matter what had happened in this country, <laughs> right. White people are going to be assholes. No yep. Well, they still, yeah. And they still do be. Yeah. <laughs> they still oh. do be. Yeah. <laughs> In Utah, an area not unlike the, the the areas that were that of this book, there was a I guess a a school that sent a form home where because a lot of white 
families complained that their children had to learn about Black History Month. Oh and they were allowed to opt out. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, really? Opt out of Black History Month? Yes. About learning about Black oh, so History Month. so you're opting Month. out of all American history, too. So, and, so, and someone said, well, can our Black children opt out of the other nine months of your, yeah, right. <laughs> of your right, school? Right on. I Seriously? On. I saw this other oh. woman talking about how her daughter was sent home with this form, and they were learning about, like, immigration and, like, Ellis Island and stuff like that. And this was a black woman and she was saying, my daughter was sent home with this form and it says, tell the story about how your family came to the United States. And she's like, you really want my daughter <laughs> to write the story about how oh. her family came to the United States oh. and how the de- teacher didn't even consider that. Whoa. You know what? Answer the question. That's what she was and like. God you bless. gotta wait until see the essay that I'm going to send my daughter to school God with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or- Pointing it out. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. But there, was a, there was a family that that had righteously objected when their children of color were asked to play the slaves in <gasps> in a school play. Like, do you I'm ever? I'm like, are you, do you really? Ever think? Come on, people. Yeah. I mean, people, that's what I'm so saying. I'm saying are still... people are still yeah. assholes, like she I, said. I, I, I... <laughs> it's just like, you wouldn't even think God. that would be like a sensitive thing. Like I'm that's sorry. what strikes me. It's like you wouldn't just have a second thought about that. You cannot teach American history without teaching Black history because if you're only teaching the history that most of us get, you're teaching like a very tiny, tiny fraction sure. of history. Anyway, I, the thing I'm looking forward to in the changes in our country that I hope continue I hope. on, we're going to keep working on more honest telling. And a richer telling of the truths of right. of our history. Yeah, what like, we learn at school is like the rose-colored glasses version of everything. Or there are people whose stories who aren't told. Who mm-hmm. even if it's an like the good stories, not just the the bad things. Like like um the guy who oh gosh <laughs> the Lone Ranger. Like all history points to is that that was a black ranger. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't <laughs> I've know seen that. that in a couple of different places that he was a black guy, a Texas ranger, huh. beautiful family. Like, Interesting. and I don't think there was a Tonto in that story. Like, <laughs> so just <laughs> like, yeah, there's so much wrong with that TV show. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> <Yeah>. anyways, <laughs> like, um, okay. Before I get myself in trouble. So like... <laughs> we've covered a, Gender nonconformity. We've covered racial diversity. Um, let's talk about um, homosexuality. All right. So yeah. <laughs> um, consider Lark and Ada's relationship. Ada was banished because her womb could not produce a child. Lark was na- maimed for loving a man and interrupting his procreation. Together, <laughs> they represent how both sexes could be judged, persecuted, and punished. As Lark reflects on his life, he says, They didn't take everything from me, a lot, but not everything. Though they've both been stripped of so much, what qualities do they get to keep? And in their short time together, what do they learn from each other? Oh, my God. (laughs) What do they get to keep? They get to keep their ability to see the good in Mm -hmm. other people. Um, Because you you have to, like, obviously we know why Ada is attracted to him, but why why does he seek her out? Mm -hmm. And he sees her. And he sees through to who she is the, from the moment he, he meets her. From the moment? Because I wanted sure. you to remind mm-hmm. me. Because he says, I think he says when he knew. Because she asks explicitly, yeah. right? Yeah. When he knew that she was a woman? Yes. Yeah. I think when they're in, I, when I they're keep in thinking jail, of I it think. as a dungeon. <laughs> I mean, it was dark all the time. And... 
I thought there was I thought there was something about her that he noticed was very different. Not necessarily was feminine, it a lightness in but her different. Movement? I think he describes yeah, the lightness. Yeah, in the her lightness movement. in how she moves. The fact that he could well, be I mean, the so kind, the, co- of the core, of who, the core like, of who he was was not stripped away, no matter how cruel yes. the others were, which is amazing because not everyone can hold up to what he had to go through. I can't imagine being maimed in such a way and surviving the wound and then finding a way to face the world, especially when the world reminds you of it by your nickname yeah. and the name. Then, then, then you choose I mean, to he, keep that as your moniker. He, he maintains his, his self-respect in that he's like, you know, I like the name, whatever. I'm going to use it. You he, know, he, he, what do they call they He reclaims it. Yeah. Or, you know, or. Yeah. And he, he says, you know, I, I think it's, um, Later in the book, when the posse is coming upon them, and is it Cassie who says, like, don't beg for your life, you're going to die with self-respect if you want to. Mm-hmm. You know, he maintains that in his life where it's like, I, they could have humiliated me, and they did, but, you know, I decided to still make something of myself. He went out, and he trained, and he became a, you know, a, a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. He did other things in his life, and, you know. The value of life. But so like this is a society that supposes to value life like mm-hmm. so much. So we got to keep making babies. Yeah, right. Yeah. But that he had to be taught that value of his life from how the veteran vet, veterinarian treated him like right. that. He's like, I don't think he liked me, but he wasn't going to let me give mm-hmm. up my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like, again, another parallel to our society of. Okay, so you value every conception as a life, which I I actually agree with, but that doesn't like you don't value other lives, right? You know, yeah. So the gonna... courtesy doesn't okay. extend. <laughs> I think that they value the lives that maintain the status quo. Yeah, we value the lives that make sense to my narrow understanding. Right. Yeah, but God help you, don't don't expand it. I mean, like, I mean, I mean that's their, their ah. attitude. Ah. So I, I think that his character draws that attention yeah. to how every life is worth living, mm-hmm. no matter the circumstances you find yourself in. Oh, find a way to thrive. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she learns that from him, and and I don't know necessarily what she teaches what, him, but well, that he's still worth loving. That's yeah. true. Um. Because yeah, you can't, I mean, imagine the vulnerability it takes for him to expose himself to her. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And to be willing to sacrifice his life to someone he still only knows a little bit. Right. He's willing to marry her and to save her and to... Well, that's his value of life, right? Yeah. He was going to do whatever it took to get them free, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they take him into the their own their camp and show him their way of life and it not everybody is uh some people are reluctant to do so but you know he's not that different from them in that you know he's outcast from society and needs a place and they can help him so i think it i think because of the trauma that the women i i think it their reaction to him is very similar to when when people of color um, are not uh, right, rightfully not trusting of white people upon you know because mm-hmm. the people who look l- look like us 
have done damage in their life. And yeah, so there were never it's, supposed it's, to be any men no. there. This was their safe place and so, away from men. And those women, he looks, they don't know him, but he looks like they're, they're traumatizers. Right. So it takes a lot for them to, I mean, not that they had a lot of time, but you know, it, I hope that at some point, well, I guess he dies. So he didn't really have, <laughs> a lot, there really was no yeah, time to really, kind of well, in memoriam, I hope they, in memoriam, they that understood that he just wanted to help. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly helped to further their cause. Um, okay. So from the very beginning of her exile, Ada is set on a path towards self-discovery. She risks everything for the chance to meet Mrs. Alice Schaefer. And yet when she arrives, the center is abandoned by the end of the novel. Ada re- resurrects their laboratory and begins her new life as a physician and advocate. Um, discuss your reactions to the novel's ending. So I guess we can start there. Um, were you satisfied by the way the, the novel ended? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm still scared for her, but I'm happy she found her place. She found a purpose. She found, <sighs> she, she still didn't find the, the ultimate answer, but if she had found that answer, it would not have changed her situation. I just found... And it wouldn't have given her... It really was not... It wouldn't have really given her a purpose. I just found another literary parallel. It's um, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was inside you all along. <laughs> just click your heels and get to Pagosa Springs. <laughs> you mean I could have clicked my heels at any time? Why did I have to go on the stupid road? <laughs> Well, you wouldn't have believed me if I just told you. Right, right. I right. mean, she you have not, to discover it for yourself. She would not be the woman in that surgery meeting the woman who comes right. in the dark of night if she hadn't gone on the journey. But the yeah. answer was in her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you are Mrs. What's the potential. The, the it's, okay. <laughs> it's 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 like a chemistry thing. The potential for fire is always contained within wood, but it's not until something lights it. Mm-hmm. That it is that that energy is released. Oh, that's good. And she had to all that energy of helping people was there. It wasn't until she got to the point where she was lit on fire. (laughs) Yeah, like that. Not literally. Not literally. (laughs) Well, not yet. I mean, we don't know how. Yeah, not yet. Maybe book two. (laughs) Well, they hang them. They don't catch them on fire. They might do both. (laughs) In Salem, I kept daydreaming about what happens. They put them on fire. Right. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I. I always get the like the perspective of like like when she's explaining her her vision of what her life could be and her and Lark living together and like I wish that could be I understand why like I, I wish he was there with her at the end and that they could live together but because had... Lark deserves that exactly it's not even it's... that Ada deserves the it thing is, Lark deserved it they would have had such a great life mm-hmm. you know th- they would have been the bestest of friends. For each yeah. other. I mean, they didn't know each other for that long and they came together in that moment and they loved each other and they were technically married, but we don't know how long, like how lasting of a relationship they would have had because their perspective of marriage, I think, is different than their society around them's perspective of mm-hmm. marriage now. So I don't think they would have necessarily valued their marriage or honored it the same way that everybody else around them would have. So if down the road they might, <coughs> like they might not always be together, but I was sad that I like they weren't together they at the end. <laughs> they would have been best. They yeah. would have been Hepburn and. I mean, it it, it serves the purpose of he? telling us that she don't need no man. Like no, yeah. she's doing it on her own. He yeah. it would have been nice if he was there, but that made me a little. She'll sad. do fine. Yeah, without him. But she kind of has to. Yeah, well, it's part of her. Yeah, evolution it's part of her. To... 
picture. And, and, you know, and she really was, from you know, it just goes back to she was she's a natural nurturer. Whether she was that meant to what that nurturing was supposed to be as a mother or as a healer mm-hmm. doesn't mean doesn't doesn't negate that gift. Sure. True. True. It's more of her like value without the confines definition of society. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the end of my questions, but I wanted to discuss really quick. I found it interesting and I when I was reading this I remembered reading something about um, cross dressing in the Wild West and how that was a thing. Oh, I read right. I read two different articles. One called "The Forgotten Trans History of the Wild West" by Sabrina Imber, which was from AtlasObscura.com. The other one I read was called "The Forgotten Gender Nonconformists of the Old West" by Olivia Gershon from a website called JSTOR Daily. Um, both of them referenced an author named Peter Brogue, who wrote a book called "Redressing America's Frontier Past," which I haven't read, but if you're interested in any of that, it might be something to check out. But the articles all talked about how the history of the Wild West that we know currently doesn't reflect just how many people were living outside of gender norms at the time. And the majority of them, some of them were um, transgender women who lived as women, but the majority of them were either transgender men or just women who chose to dress as men because the opportunities for men were so much greater than there were opportunities for women Mm -hmm. back then. So if you had any sort of ambition to do anything like be a doctor or be a, be anything, it was so much easier to accomplish if you put pants on, which I thought was really interesting. I've seen some things about that, about like women who lived for a long time as Mm -hmm. men became influential in their cities Mm -hmm. and towns and and were only discovered after death that they were (laughs) Mm -hmm. actually women. Think about Annie Oakley. She didn't really, she, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. Was she a real person? Or, or Calamity she a, Jane? She's or a Calamity real Jane. They're both mm-hmm. real people. And, but they did live in, not, I mean, they, pre, they were women, but they, but they did tend towards wearing um, conventionally men's clothes mm-hmm. and living and in a And for that life, it was just a lot easier. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was interesting to read about because there were examples of men who lived as women, but very few in comparison to the amount of women who either you know dressed as men or identified as a as male do you um, think that the oppression for was just a lot greater for men who who identified as women yeah i mean it was yeah. hard to be a woman anyway so imagine if you were a That's man true. who lived as a woman if you were found out to be what you were assigned as birth as being like, I feel like the punishment for that would be pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. I Well, I mean, we saw that in another novel we read, I think. I, I think. Well, in Handmaid's Tale, they strung him up. Was that not in the in book ha- of in, the, the witch's book? that Because I was listening to another book at the same time. That must no, not have been. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I think it must be in The Alienist, because I was listening to that at the same time, and it was kind of same mm. time frame, same setting. It's easy to get things conflated yeah. like that. <laughs> And, um, they're, yeah. Yeah. Must be in the alienist, <laughs> which sure. is great. They touch on, on what we're talking about a little bit. It's the same, same time frame in the real United States, um, set in New York hunting mm-hmm. a serial killer. Um, and it's very good. All right then. Well, I think that 
pretty much wraps it up for this book. I'm glad you guys both enjoyed it because I really did. It's a great book. Okay, was a great uh, one book. last commentary. Yeah. I love the way a climax is described. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. It's early in the book. I'm going to flip through uh, Katie's copy here. Um, so they all get books. Like, first of all, their teacher in ninth form oh, gives the girls. them the birds uh-huh. and the bees. And then there's a book about... Um, about uh that's like it's passed around from women to girls to girls and it's like not wholly discouraged but not entirely um it's a little scandalous to have it yeah um so kind of kind of a rite of passage though one of the things that she tries is her mother hooks her up with a man who tries to impregnate her just Mm -hmm. in case it's her her father. Oh, that's right. Her father. Oh my God, that's a different story in the book. <laughs> um, just in case it's her husband's fault that she's not getting pregnant. Right. It so her mother was so smart. Yeah. So the man is, um, you know, they have a monthly meeting four times in a row. That's another reason why I was sad about the ending of the book is I really wanted her to reunite with her family at some point. Like it yeah. made me sad that she didn't. But we don't know if that doesn't happen down the line. It's it's and- called fruitful marriage for men. <laughs> No, fruitful marriage for men doesn't exist. I know, it's not what it's called. I just, that's the right. Fruitful marriage included drawings of men and women naked together, locked in embrace. The author, one Wilhelmina Knudsen, has also discussed something called the climax, which she described frustratingly as a moment of indescribable pleasure. The ability to feel this sensation, Mrs. Knudsen, was a sign of a physically uh, and psychologically healthy individual. But I, I love that. Frustratingly, a moment of indescribable pleasure. <laughs> And so Ula, but it can only happen when when you're married. When a man's member was deep inside the woman. So the <laughs> scandalous thing that sets our girl on her path uh-huh. is that this man that's helping her gives her a different it kind of climax. Let her experience, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "Where did your husband learn this?" <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty funny. Says, In the handbook, a for- fruitful marriage for men. Oh, I have to have a copy of that book. Yeah, have to uh, to my uh, it's really hard to find, and I don't think you can find it. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh, okay. So then Ada says, um, when she actually experienced one, um, it, I experienced a sensation so extreme, I thought it must either be climax or something very dangerous, possibly <laughs> fatal. That's what, absolutely I, that's fatal. what I really love. <laughs> so I might be dying or... Very dangerous. Because... I don't think she minds either way. I mean, it's a perfect thing in this <laughs> funny. in this society that a woman's pleasure is really... Like, I was surprised that uh, Miss Wilhelmina even acknowledged that a woman would have pleasure in uh-huh. this society. But only if you're very mature... Right. And ready to have children. Yes. And with Maybe. your husband only. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very dangerous. That was funny. A woman's pleasure is very dangerous. Okay, I'm done with that. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of our discussion for this book. So I think it's Anne's turn to pick. Our I next still book. have my jar of you know choices but Uh we're not gonna do that we're just gonna we're just (laughs) gonna decide um so i got some great recommendations from our fellow knitters um in a recent stitch night Mm -hmm. but um the thing i liked most that we talked about was a um la times is have is hosting a book club okay and they they did the um i can't think of our book from 
the sea women the island of sea the island of sea women Mm -hmm. so there's a recording of um lisa c Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, Lisa C. Um, discussing this book okay. on the LA Times website. Oh. So I'm looking forward to looking that up. Um, and so their next book is Migrations, a novel by Charlotte McConaughey. Okay. Um, M-C-C-O-N-A-G-H. It's a pretty acclaimed book. Um, I also understand it will be kind of depressing. Oh. I think that... Um, Science Friday, the NPR show, mm-hmm. um, that they also did this as a um, a book club recently. I think it might have been their December book club. I'm having trouble finding a <laughs> a uh, summary of it. Uh, maybe. Um, but before I, I talk about the summary, um, so we have a new independent bookstore in Ventura. Oh, nice. Oh. Did not know that. It's called Timber. It's on Main Street. Um, um, I have the synopsis here. Cool. Or the, like, plug for the book. Franny Stone has always been the kind of woman who was able to love but unable to stay, leaving behind everything but her research gear. She she arrives in Greenland with a singular purpose, to follow the last Arctic turns Hmm. in the world on what might be their final migration to Antarctica. Franny talks her way onto a fishing boat, and she and her crew set sail, traveling even further from shore and safety. But as Franny's history begins to unspool, a passionate love affair, an absent family, a devastating crime, it becomes clear that she is chasing more than just the birds. When Franny's dark secrets catch up with her, how much is she willing to risk for one more chance at redemption? Hmm. There that you sounds go. really good. Really good. That sounds good. Um, migrations. Migrations, yep. So cool. the new bookstore is on 1924 East Main Street. It's, uh, I guess, Midtown, next to a new coffee shop, Singing Sun, I think. Mm. So mm. they have something that I think we've mentioned before, which Ravelry is directing people to buy their books, is this link. It's bookshop.org. So since we have a new local bookshop, or uh-huh. if you have your favorite local bookshop, you might want to check out and see if they're on bookshop.org. So for Timber Books, it's uh, bookshop.org slash shop slash T-I-M. BRE books and so I'm not I haven't purchased any books this way but I think that it connects you to your local bookshop and then instead of buying it from um, Amazon or some other Uh big box Hmm. place um, you're going to be supporting that local bookstore that's That's a great idea so so it's like buying a pattern through Ravelry but that's interesting I think (laughs) we'll find out because I'll probably go to Timber to buy my book but Mm -hmm. um if you have a favorite bookstore, like support those because they're awesome. And I'm so excited we have one in our, yeah, in that's our awesome. city. I, I'm not getting anything from this except the joy of a new bookshop. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Uh, and it's a cute little store. Cool. So, Well, all right then. We will read that and then we will check back in with you mid-March when okay. we uh, discuss migrations. And so. anybody reading good books since then? Yes. Uh, I no. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to think. Have I read anything else? I don't think I have. Well, um, I found That's something cool on Audible that there's a ton. It's not just like their monthly recommendations, uh-huh. which I think sort of stopped coming. They have a ton of Audible originals that are full length, really well produced books. Mm-hmm. I just read the series from Rin Chupeco, C H U P E C O. It's The Bone Witch, The Hartford Forger, and The Shadow Glass. And it's this very, like, fanciful, time-before-time 
kind of um, Japanese um, cultural influence um, of like when there was magic. Mm. And it, that it's cool. very, it was very engaging. It was 39 hours uh. <laughs> for all three books, but it was all free. That's awesome. So that was all on Audible. Okay. And um, I would look for more things from her. It was really good. Okay. So I just um, finished a really great book called The House on the, of, let me, by T, uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. And it's kind of an LGBT love story, but it also talks about children and about um, this orphanage of uh, of the social caseworker from the Department of Magical Children is going out to. um, And and he's not like anybody else. He's not like the usual caseworkers. It works for um, uh, dichotomy. It's not dichotomy, but dichotomy. Some horrible corporation. Anyway, it's really, really good. It's really, really cool. good. All right. That sounds good. So, um, I like magical realism or magical stories. <laughs> Arthur and Linus, you're going to love them. Aww. The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. Um, cool. I, I will de- definitely read more from Etsy. And there's one other book. So if anyone else has a book. Um, and then if you are into um, post-apocalyptic dystopian like i am (laughs) survivor song by paul tremblay is also pretty awesome okay great well uh we should say this at the end of every episode of the book club but if you have recommendations for books that you want us to cover please send them to us because i would love to hear your recommendations Mm -hmm. if it's a book that you've read that you love that you want to like spread the word or if there's a book that you've been wanting to read and it would be fun to do in like a group setting, you can listen to us and we could talk about it and whatever. That would be awesome. So you can always email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com or you can send us a message through our website at stringsandthings.com and our normal um, podcast comes out the first Monday of every month where it's not the book club. It's just we just ramble on about whatever we're talking about that <laughs> That it's much. usually very entertaining. And it's usually like <laughs> close to two hours long. So <laughs> if you need to spend some time with. Uh, we started off with an hour. How do we get to two hours? The our goal is... was 45 minutes. <laughs> I thought, how are we ever going to fill 45 minutes? F- at least 15 minutes for this episode. So we're going to wrap it up and we'll see you okay. next month. All right. Bye. Bye.